let all that's in us praise his holy name. What a beautiful, beautiful line to sing. This morning, if you have your Bibles, I'll invite you to turn with me to Luke chapter 1 as we continue our journey looking through Luke 1 and 2, um, looking at the events surrounding the birth of Christ and eventually getting to the birth of Christ himself. This morning, we're going to be in Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 39 in just a moment. Uh, just a, a quick catch-up for those of you that haven't been able to be with us the past few weeks. We're going to be talking today, you'll see two ladies mentioned. You'll see one named Elizabeth, and if you don't know who Elizabeth is, uh, we saw her a few weeks ago. Elizabeth is going to be the mother of John the Baptist. At this moment that we see her today, she is pregnant, and John the Baptist is in her womb, but they have been told by the angel Gabriel, she and her husband, that uh, even though she was very old whenever she was able to become pregnant with John the Baptist and had been barren her whole life and had been praying for children, uh, that, that now she has been blessed that the Lord has heard her prayer. And not only is she pregnant now, but she's pregnant with the one that she's told, that they're told, will be the forerunner of Christ that will bring great joy to many people. And so there's a special air about this baby in her womb that we've seen we're also going to see Mary, and I think most of you in the Christmas story know who Mary is. Mary, the mother of Jesus, who has also recently been visited by the angel Gabriel. About six months after Elizabeth and Zechariah heard their news, Gabriel visits Mary and tells her the news. That even though she is a virgin, even though she is unwed, that she is now going to be expecting as well. And that is going to be... The Messiah. It is going to be Jesus Christ that's going to be carried in her womb. And so today we're going to see a count of Mary and Elizabeth who are kin somehow. We're not told exactly how, but they are relatives. We're going to see these two ladies meeting uh, and talking about some of these things. So if you would join me in Luke 1, beginning in verse 39. It says, In those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered into the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. Now here is our setting. I want to stop here for just a moment. As we see this setting, I've already given you a little bit of this. But, but Mary, when, once she hears the news, and of course there's no, there's no section break, there's no heading break when Luke writes this. It just happens that, that Luke writes it this way. Mary is told, she's visited by Gabriel, she's told that she's going to have the Messiah in her womb. Uh, she, he explains to her how that's going to happen, and then to give her even a little bit uh, more excitement and a little bit more uh, strengthening of her faith, Gabriel tells her, and your relative Elizabeth in her old age is also several months pregnant now. And Mary responds and says, let it be to me as you have said. I'm a servant of the Lord. And then immediately we see that she leaves in haste to go to uh, to visit Elizabeth. Now, she's going to be there, but I also want you to recognize that this is not a, a short or small or easy trip. As I've looked at, we don't know exactly where in the hill country Elizabeth and Zachariah lived, but at the shortest, it would have been about a 50-mile trip. Most people, most scholars believe it would have been an 80- to 90-mile trip, which isn't that bad with air conditioning or heat and uh, XM satellite radio and those sort of things. Mary didn't have those sort of things. So this is quite a trip that she takes on to be able to go and visit Elizabeth. It shows us a lot of the excitement 
that Mary had about this opportunity to go and see her. The other thing that I want to point out before we go any further in this text, and it needs to be said, and I know that most of you, you're here on Sunday morning, you're going to nod your head, you're going to agree with me, but again, I want you to stop and, and think about this and process for this for just a moment. Everything that we read here and everything that we're about to see and all of these things that we have already seen, Gabriel, the angel, coming to the priest, Zechariah, and telling him that his old barren wife is now going to be pregnant, and, and the Virgin Mary being visited by Gabriel and being told that the Messiah is going to be in her womb, and the things we'll see today, the thing that I want to remind you of this morning is that these are all true. That this is a true written account of actual historical things that happen. This isn't a, a fairy tale. This isn't some fun story. This hasn't been embellished. This isn't made up so that we will feel better about ourselves. This is what we're celebrating. This is the Christmas story. This is the, the account of how Jesus comes to earth. And I just want us to remember this morning, I was telling my daughter this story the other day before bed, and I was talking to her about Gabriel, this angel who stands before God coming and telling this young lady that she was going to have Jesus. Jesus that we pray to. Jesus in her womb. And her question to me was, Daddy, is that real? Is that real? And I want to remind you this morning that that is real. All of this that we're talking about, all of this that we're celebrating, this is real. And I just want you to remember that this morning. That it was real for Mary. That it was real for Elizabeth. And I pray that it's real for us this morning as well. Look with me back in the text in verse 41 as we see the, the meeting of these two ladies. It says, And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when I, when I heard the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Now, when we see this, I want you to, I want you to follow me here for just a moment, because I've just been excited about this all week. As soon as I got done studying this early in the week, I went and told Miss Jan, and then when I went home for lunch, I told a man, and I've told a whole bunch of the rest of you this week, because I've been really excited about what I see here, something that I don't know how many times I've heard and read the Christmas story, but when I read this this week, there was something that I saw that I haven't noticed in this text before, so I want you to stay with me for just a moment. What is it that John the Baptist does inside of Elizabeth's womb whenever uh, Jesus and Mary come into the presence. What is it that he does? He leaps. Now you're thinking, Brother Zach, you haven't noticed that. No, that's not it. We've got a little bit further to go. But right, so the baby in her womb leaps, which on its own is amazing enough, right? John the Baptist, in the womb of his mother, realizes. Now we've already been told that even from the time that he's in his mother's womb that he would be filled with the Holy Spirit. We've already been told that by the angel Gabriel. And so he recognizes the presence of Christ and leaps with excitement in his mother's womb. But then as it continues, then we see 
what does Elizabeth say? Because she now also is filled with the Holy Spirit. And so what does Elizabeth say? And you don't have to quote it. Y'all did a good job saying leaf. You don't have to tell me everything. But in verses 42 and 43, look and see. She says, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Now that word in verse 43 that she uses for Lord. I know that we go back and forth on this a lot of times. A lot of times in the Old Testament, we see that word Lord, and it stands for the personal name of God, Yahweh. That's not the word that Elizabeth uses here. The word that she uses for Lord is the word or the term for Messiah, right? The anointed one, the promised one. She realizes and recognizes that this baby that's in the womb of Mary is the Messiah, is the anointed one. Elizabeth sees this, she recognizes this from the time that, that Mary walks up. She screams, she shouts with joy and says this because she recognizes who this is that's in Mary's womb. And then if you go on down to verse 45, she even says, And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Which is, goes kind of back if you were here the story of Zechariah, right? Whenever Gabriel tells Zechariah what's going to happen for them, he kind of had that response of, Gabriel, are you sure? How am I going to know that this is actually going to happen? There was a little bit of doubt there, but not with Mary, right? Whenever the angel came and visited Mary, he tells her and she says, absolutely, whatever I can do to help, whatever I can do to be a part, I'm a servant of the Lord, let it be as you have said. And so, Elizabeth says, Mary, how blessed are you that not only did the angel come to you and not only did the angel tell you, but you believed immediately what the angel told you. But this is what I noticed this week that was so amazing to me, that stood out so much to me. When is it, if you've been here, if you've read through this text, when is it in chapter 1 that Gabriel or that Mary or that somebody else tells Elizabeth that Mary is pregnant with the Messiah, and how things went whenever the angel came to visit her. It's not. It's not in there. Right? Mary was told that Elizabeth was present, was, was pregnant, but Elizabeth is never told that Mary is pregnant. She doesn't even know that Mary's pregnant. Mary is, is very, very in the beginning stages of pregnancy. I don't imagine she was even showing. And so when she walks up, there's a, a lady standing here who doesn't look pregnant, who Elizabeth immediately recognizes as being pregnant, and not only being pregnant, but recognizes who the baby that's in her womb is and even knows how Mary responded to the angel whenever the angel came and spoke to her. How is it? How is it that Elizabeth could know these things. And it, it was just amazing to me as I saw that this week. I can tell by your faces it's not amazing to you. I can tell by the way you're sitting there it's not amazing to you. But it was amazing to me because this is what I recognized this week. Not only did Elizabeth know these things, but the only way that Elizabeth could have known these things is by the witness of the Holy Spirit. How is it that John inside of his mother's womb recognized the presence of the Messiah? It's because John, even from the time he was in his mother's womb, was filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit recognizes and witnesses to us about who Jesus Christ is. And how is it 
that Elizabeth, whenever Mary and Jesus came into her presence without seeing or hearing anything else, knew to be excited and to exclaim and to shout about what was going on here. It's because the Holy Spirit of God made sure to her that this was her hope. Point one today. The last point that I have, there's only one point in the sermon. Some of you do not like that, and I'm sorry. But one point today. For Christians, for Christians, don't miss that if you're writing this note. The presence and identity of Jesus is unmistakable, and it's something to rejoice over. For Christians, now I say that very specifically because for Christians, we understand that we are indwelled with the Holy Spirit, that we, like John and Elizabeth, have the Holy Spirit inside of us. And the Holy Spirit recognizes, even when sometimes we might would miss it, the Holy Spirit recognizes who Jesus is and who his identity is. The Holy Spirit has seen Jesus from everlasting. He has been with God the Father and with Jesus the Son. He has seen him. He has seen the angels singing the praises of Jesus Christ. He understands the power of Jesus Christ. It is unmistakable to the Holy Spirit who Jesus is. And he recognizes that. And for those of us that are Christians that have the Holy Spirit, he witnesses to us about who Jesus Christ is. It is not surprising to me when lost people do not get excited about who Jesus is. But it is unfathomable to me when Christians do not get excited about who Jesus Christ is. Because we have no excuse. The Holy Spirit says, Elizabeth, this is the Christ. This is the Messiah. This is the anointed promised one that you have waited your whole life for. That every ancestor you have ever had prayed for. This is him. And Elizabeth couldn't help but get excited. And the Holy Spirit says to you and me as we sit here this morning, this is the Christ. The one in the manger, the one on the cross, the one who hears your prayers today. He is the Messiah, the promised one, the anointed one. And not only should that be unmistakable to us who Jesus is, but it should be something to rejoice over, brothers and sisters. should be something to be excited about, to recognize who he is and that he still loves us. That he still cares about us. We should be excited about this. So this week as I thought about that. Nobody had to tell Elizabeth who Jesus was. Because the Holy Spirit that was in her knew who Jesus was. And he witnessed her about it. And he witnessed to John the Baptist about it. And the baby in the womb. Y'all finish the sentence for me. I was so excited I could jump for joy. And that's exactly what John the Baptist, he didn't jump because he was scared. He didn't jump for any other reason. Verse 44, for behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my, in my womb leaped for joy. John the Baptist was so excited that the Savior had come that he jumped in his mother's womb. And Elizabeth doesn't just very quietly, succinctly say, wow, Mary, blessed are you among women. I'm glad that you're here today. Why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come? No, verse 42 says, and she exclaimed with a loud cry. Have y'all ever seen, some of y'all have seen this and I'm going to be able to tell by the way you read. Have y'all ever seen two sisters or, or two ladies that are friends that haven't seen each other in a long time? 
And then all of a sudden they run into each other at Walmart or something. And they say, oh! Have y'all ever seen that before? That happens sometimes. That's what Elizabeth does. She doesn't say. She exclaims with a loud cry. Because she was so excited about what was taking place here and now. She was so excited about who this was that had come to see her. And I want to ask you this morning, brothers and sisters, when's the last time that you got oh excited about who Jesus Christ is? When is the last time that you were Elizabeth and when you were in the presence of Jesus Christ, you recognized whose presence you were in and you got excited about it? You recognize that it's not something that, that you should or deserve to have, and you were thankful for it. When's the last time that that happened for you? When's the last time that you were like Simeon? And if you read on through Luke chapter 2, you read about this man named Simeon, this, this old man who had been promised that, that he would see the Messiah before he died, and he sees the, the little boy Jesus in the temple, and he's so excited and he's so thankful he says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all the people. The light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. When he saw Jesus, he immediately recognized who Jesus was and he was excited about it. And he was thankful for it. When's the last time that that was you? When's it the last time that you were the psalmist in Psalm 8 and you were praying and God was listening to you and you recognized that God was listening to you and you said, what is man that you are mindful of him? I, I was reminded this week, especially with the, the passing of George H.W. Bush, uh, who had been a great man and served our country very, very well a man that I was very thankful for, and I know that many of you were very thankful for. And I heard story after story after story. Uh, I saw them on the local news. They talked about when he came to Mississippi State and, and, and spoke at the commencement, and I know that we have at least one person here who was graduating, who was at that commencement, and, and came and spoke at Alcorn at the commencement. And I saw people that, that had these handwritten letters. So many people had written to him, and he had actually written back to them. Right, a sitting president who had written letters back to, to little girls and little boys and families and people who had taken that sort of time. And I, I think about these stories that I hear of people going to the White House to get to meet the president at different times. They've done something or for whatever reason they get to. You know, I just imagine for, those, for most of us that that would be one of those once-in-a-lifetime kind of deals. You're getting to go meet the president, and especially it's a president that, you're, that you really appreciate and that you really think a lot of, and you know you're going on this date, and so you think it all through. You think about what am I going to wear, and what am I going to say, and you probably play it out in your head how you think this will happen, what you'll say, and what they'll probably say, and you try and think about the conversation, and, and you're so excited, you tell everybody, I'm going to, see the, I'm going to the White House, I'm going to, the, I'm going to see the president, I'm going to shake his hand, I'm going to meet him, and then when you come back, you show everybody the picture, this is me meeting the president. But you know, if you, if you worked for the president, say you worked on his staff, and it wasn't a one-time kind of deal, you worked, you saw him every day, day in and day out, he says, I need you to do this, and you go do this. You know, after four years, or six years, or eight years, that excitement of I'm meeting the president today would probably wear off a little bit, don't you think? 
it would be, I'm going to work. I'm going to work. And many of us have unfortunately seen this in our marriages. I can remember whenever Amanda first ever recognized that I was a person, how excited I was. Right, I would call and she would answer, and I was so excited just that she answered. I remember one of the first times that we had a date. She was coming over uh, to my house at the time I lived with my parents still. We were in college and out of school, and she was coming over to my parents' house. And so I was going to cook a meal, and it was all out, right? Everything from scratch and, and the best I could do and the nicest uh, plasticware I could find, everything. Thought about what am I going to wear, what am I going to say, if we watch a show, what show are we going to watch, everything. You know, unfortunately, it's not the way it should be. But over time, the more time we've been together, I don't wake up every morning and say, when Amanda wakes up, how am I going to greet her today? What's the first thing I'm going to say to her? I'm getting off work, and I don't stop and check my hair to make sure it's just okay before I walk in the door. Not that she's any less special than she was then, but just the fact that I've been with her for that long sometimes causes us to not be as excited or seem as exclusive as it was whenever we just got to see them. If we work for the president, it doesn't seem as exclusive as it did whenever we got to meet him just one time. And I unfortunately believe that that has happened to many of us for our relationship with Jesus Christ. When we first realized who this Christ is, that he is God, that he does sit at the right hand of God in heaven, that he is the glorious one, he's the one that made us, he's the one that's in charge of everything, that he loved us enough that he did actually come to earth. It's not a story. He came and he did die in our place so that we go to heaven. When we hear that for the first time and understand that, we get so excited and we get so thankful and the Bible seems like this, this brand new something that we're so excited to read. In prayer time, I'm talking to God and He's listening to me. And we go to church and in Sunday school, man, our teacher's talking about this, this story that we haven't heard or haven't heard it taught this way. And it's so exciting. And we sing these, these hymns and these new songs that are so beautiful and so theologically and biblically sound and we love it every bit of it because it's what we're doing for God and that's what we want to do but then over the years we've been to Sunday school enough times we've heard enough sermons we've sang that hymn this many times and it's just what we do it's just a habit it's not exciting it's not joyful it's not special it's just what we do but brothers and sisters, I would remind you this morning that if you got excited because George H.W. Bush, who was a great president, came and spoke at your commencement, or if you got excited or would get excited because George H.W. Bush wrote you a personal letter because he is the president and you're just you, and that he would stop and take time out of his day to write you a letter, if that gets you excited, then let me remind you this morning that Jesus is much more than George H.W. Bush. That Jesus is the great I Am. He is the Almighty One. He has lived from everlasting and He will never end. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the omniscient and omnipotent God. And He didn't just write you a letter. He knit you together piece by piece in your mother's womb. 
And he left the glory of heaven and came to this earth and lived a perfect life for you. Don't say for us this morning. It's for us, but I want you to realize it's for you that he did that. He took time out of what he could have done, leaving the glory of heaven and came here for you. He knows your name. He hears your voice and listens intently to whatever you may be babbling about or praying. It may be something deep and intense and sometimes we find ourselves and we're just praying and we don't even know what we're praying about and he's still sitting there listening because he loves you that much. And this is God that we're talking about, not your mama. Mama loves you. This is God of everything who does this for me and who does this for you. He calls you worthy to be his child, to be part of his family. He's paid your price. He purchased you and redeemed you and forgave you of your sins. And then on certain days, we can't find time to call on his name. On certain days of the week, we're so busy that we just can't make time to read His personal word to us. Some Sunday mornings, we come here and we just don't feel like praising Him. Something happened before we got here. Somebody said something in Sunday school. I don't like that song. I don't like that instrument. So I'm not going to praise Him in this time. That God that did that for you it shouldn't be about how we feel. It should be about what he deserves. Brothers and sisters, it's just about Christmas. And I just want us to realize, there's no other point to this sermon than to realize that Elizabeth, when she was in the presence of Christ in the womb of Mary, was so excited that she couldn't help but show her excitement by exclaiming and yelling. The baby in her womb couldn't help but show his excitement. All he knew is this is Christ, and he leaps for joy. And you and I know everything that we know, and sometimes we can't find time to talk to him, can't find time to hear his word. If you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, none of this makes sense to you, and I understand that. You don't have the Holy Spirit. He's not explaining this to you, and I'm not explaining it well enough. I understand that. But this morning, if you're here and you don't understand any of this, and it doesn't make sense to you, and it's not registering to you, then I pray that you would find some time to come and talk to me about it. Let me pray with you that the Holy Spirit would reveal this to you. Let me show you in His Word why the fact that Jesus came should change a lot more than what you'll do on the 24th and 25th of this month. Let me show you that this story is real. And it didn't just impact Elizabeth and Mary. It impacts you today and tomorrow and for all eternity. Let me show you that in His Word. Let me explain that to you. Let me pray with you that the Holy Spirit would help you understand all the things that I can't help you to understand. If you've never understood that, I pray that you would come and talk to me, that we could set that up. But I also pray that if you're here this morning and you are a Christian, that we understand that we don't have an excuse. We do have the Holy Spirit, and we do have great Sunday school teachers. And you have had great pastors over the years that have explained this to you. 
that many of you have great parents and grandparents that have sat by your bedside at night and explained this to you, that we sing songs that explain this to us, and we are without excuse. Every day we should wake up and not say, do I feel like or do I have time, but we should say, I cannot wait to praise God today. I cannot wait to pray. Everything else can wait, but I'm going to spend time with Him because this is who He is. And this is who I am, and he cares about me anyways. Brothers and sisters, I pray that you find yourself daily like Elizabeth. That when you recognize that you can speak and God in heaven will listen to you, that you say, why is it granted to me that the God of everything would listen to what I have to say? Why is it granted to me that God left heaven and died on the cross in my place? Why is it granted to me that all my sins would be taken away and I could live in glory forever? Why me? Because I don't deserve it. But we've been given it anyways. This morning I want to invite you to stand. And I pray as we think about the glory of the Christmas season. This morning we're going to sing a, a song, this hymn of invitation. It's called, In the Presence of Jehovah. If you know the song, Sing it. If not, you can hear it one time through. But I pray this morning that as we think about that truth, being in the presence of God Almighty, that we would be excited. This morning, if you need to come and talk to me, come. If you need to pray at this altar, come and pray at the altar. If you need to pray where you are, do that. But if not, if you don't feel led to do any of those things, I pray this morning that you feel led to lift your voice and to sing this song, whether you know it or not, whether you sing well or not, to lift this praise to God because he deserves it. But you respond to the Lord however he leads you to it, Brother Shane leads you.